What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Rosen Balls. Want to talk about some some uh, post draft stuff? Obviously, Kyrie, right? So, congrats to the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, first of all, great little lesson for everyone else in the league. Obviously, on the last pod, I was saying, you know, the Knicks might as well go for it because. Uh, and again, I'm not agreeing with that plan. I'm just saying, if your plan is to get a vet and you're not willing to rebuild, right, Char? Then you might as well get the best talent and go that way. But look, it, I'll say this about, about the Knicks, and I know there's a lot of this is Nick-focused. So first off, let's just get to the Kyrie thing real quick. Um, I think this is a good lesson for other players, you know, not, not to be this kind of thing like, oh, you know, you listen to the owners and things like that. But, like, look, in, in any work, if you're under contract, okay, you have to fulfill that contract. And if your contract is up, you can't expect, if you didn't provide, if you weren't there for the team – to now all of a sudden be warranted, something you're not. So I think it's good for Kyrie to get that dose of reality. And I think now he has to have a, a super-duper year to get the max. And even if he does, I think the only way Kyrie gets the max uh, in a full four-year way because of all the, the baggage that he's done is he needs to lead Brooklyn to a title. It probably needs to be, you know... Uh, in discussion for finals MVP. And if he does that, then the team like the Lakers, with Westbrook expiring, is probably going to be a team that's willing to give a max, and Brooklyn might be willing to, to re-up. And, and that's probably the extent of it, right? I still think he's burned enough bridges where it really, really hurts him. So, look, you reap what you sow, and, you know, we're, we're talking about, like, there's basketball hate and there's Human hate. No one's going to human hate Kyrie. This is, you know, all of this is obviously basketball talk and things like that. But, you know, gives up on teams, hasn't been a good teammate and, and all that. So I, I don't, I, I think this is great for Brooklyn. Now he's motivated to have a really, really good year. He's going to, he needs to create as little drama as possible. If I'm his agent, I'm like, look, and people need to understand this. There is a slippery slope of being out of the league, Okay. There really is. I know it sounds crazy. He's such a talent. I get it. But it, it's honestly a, a fairly slippery slope. And there's a lot of guys opining for that for that role. Um, and there's other ways to get it. And it's like he's good. He's a top 10 talent. But, like, look, the guy doesn't defend. He takes away usage from other guys. Not the highest IQ always. So, like, you can convince yourself that it's, you know, it's not the most necessary thing. And the... The most comparable thing in in recent memory is uh, Dennis Rodman when when with Chicago. Okay, so like, but again, in Rodman burned a few bridges in um, in San Antonio, Detroit. Wanted Detroit moved in more because I think they saw that a rebuild was was imminent and they wanted to give a shot to Sean Elliott and that whole thing didn't work out, but. You know, San Antonio moved into Chicago for, for Will Purdue. So, he ends up, I mean, Rodman's the best case scenario here because obviously a big distraction, huge drama, and but he's the reason, and people don't give this credit, people give credit all to Jordan. If Rodman doesn't go to the Bulls for that last three-peat, that, does, that three-peat doesn't happen. And the proof of that is they lost to Orlando, and they, they were a conference finals team. Right? They just weren't good enough to beat Orlando. 
So why? And Jordan was back for that series. Don't give me that crap. So Rama was a huge impact. He was obviously got a correlated to winning. And his style of play also didn't like get in the way of others. Fine. So a veteran team, like the Lakers are the only team. Lakers are that. I'm not saying the Lakers are the same thing as the Bulls. But you have LeBron, you have AD, you have veterans in play. They can kind of keep him in check. They can, you know, uh, do that kind of thing. And he's an adult, obviously. And, you know, he could reclaim his legacy uh, with that team. He could reclaim it with Brooklyn. He needs to win a title, I think. Right? And I think if he falls short, you know, Brooklyn's going to think about it. But I think I think what, what was going to help and hurt Kyrie also was Ben Simmons. If Simmons comes back and he's got his own agenda, and rightfully so, right? Simmons needs to come back and be be a impactful player if he wants to stay in this league. This is a good lesson for all the NBA players. I don't care how big of a superstar you are. There is a slippery slope. Deron Williams, he's a great example of this, right? Guy was an all-star in Utah, right? Rubbed Sloan the wrong way. They, they got to an argument. You know, he says his own piece of the story. Sloan's not here to defend himself. He passed away, unfortunately. Um... And it ended it. And Deron Williams even admits now, and good for him for admitting this, that when he was younger, he made mistakes with Sloan and Utah management. Okay? And Utah sided with, with, with um, you know, uh, Sloan in the end, basically, because they moved Deron. And, you know, his career really wasn't the same after that. He had one decent year at Brooklyn. Um, but then, you know, a few years later, he's on a 10-day, basically, or a veteran minimum with Cleveland. And he's out of the league. He's out of the league a few years later. So Kyrie needs to learn from the Deron Williams situation. And that could be him. If he comes back to Brooklyn, he creates some drama. He's like, hey, listen, you know, I'm not playing here. I have this whole issue. Da-da-da. And then you know, he goes on Instagram or whatever, and they see him partying. I think Marks is going to be strong with him. And I think that's going to be especially true if they see anything from Simmons. But here's the thing. Brooklyn really has until the deadline. I think Kyrie needs to understand this. Brooklyn has until the deadline um, to make the move or not. I think the Lakers are always going to be willing to do the Westbrook-Kyrie swap and give up picks. They're, they're probably more desperate than Brooklyn. Okay, LeBron literally has a window. He's already flirting with owning a team. I mean, retirement is in the not-too-distant future. So the Lakers are the more desperate team in the league. And if they, the Lakers, um, have a chance to get Kyrie, even if he's being a prima donna or whatever, they're probably going to make that move. I don't know if they have another choice. But that's not the case for Brooklyn. Brooklyn does have a few outs. If Simmons plays back to all-star form and they're really, really good and Kyrie doesn't play and they're still winning without him, I could see them... Um, you know, being more willing to, to do something at the deadline to unload him. And I don't think it's going to end well for Kyrie, right? I think if he goes to the Lakers in this hypothetical, hypothetical situations and they don't do well, his next contract's not going to be pretty. I mean, like, no one's going to give him more than, you know, eight figures um, after this. So, and you say eight times you're crazy. Look, happened to Iverson, happened to Arenas. They both ended up in Memphis, Okay. And they were good. And it's not, they were aging a little bit, so that's different. Arenas, not so much, right? Arenas is actually a good example. Steve Francis, decent example. Stephon Marbury, good example, right? Or these guys, they're, they're, your career could deteriorate quickly. It really can. Um, Carmelo Anthony. So Kyrie needs to 
keep himself in check. His agency needs to be strong with him on that. Let's get to the Knicks part of this for a second. So I think the Knicks now going all in on Brunson. Uh, look, again, you know, fans are not the GMs, right? I don't know what, what's the inner circle that was coming in from Dolan. I suspect just based on recent history, and we talked about this before, where they're a big, like, let's go for free agency type team, okay? That seems to be their MO, okay? They tried it after Ewing retired, and they finally had cap space, right? They first tried it when LeBron's a free agent. They think they're going to get players there. Doesn't work. It's like, oh, they're in New York. The thing that they understand is, like, they, they, they need a, Their self-awareness is atrocious. They think it's still the Mecca. It's still MSG. It's still New York. That's enough to get someone. It's not now because of social media, because of... You know, global PR. You could be a Milwaukee like Giannis and have a movie on Disney like Rise. Okay? You don't need to always play for New York or LA. It's not true. It's not true. So, and players just want to work for it. Just like in life, right? If you're looking for a new job, you want to work for a competent organization. If you know the organization keeps going through turmoil, and in this case, they keep switching coaches, and they don't really have a good, you know, GM and, and management system, you're not going to clamor to go there, Right? Unless, like, you're a fringe all-star, in this case of Randall, and I'll, I'll say, like, a Zach Levine type, maybe. Maybe. That's the best guy you're going to get at free agency who, like, could, could reap the rewards of PR and the endorsement deals. Maybe. Because he'll be number one guy in the big market. That does have value. It's got cachet. So, in this case, let's go with the reality. So, so Kyrie opts in. Good bluff by Brooklyn. I think he's going to have a good year. I think they're the title favorites. Because of motivation. Kyrie's uh, incentive. And look, look, if you're smart, the NBA, GMs have gotten smarter in the sense that they paid for winning. So if you're a good player on a great team, you're going to get paid more than a great player on a good team. Okay? Um, th- this is just how it's, it, it's, it's happening now. And you see, like, teams recently, like, uh, after vets are, like, JaVale McGee is a good example. He'll still get paid a bit uh, because people remember he was a Golden State and he's a quote-unquote champion. People love that subjective word. Back to the the Knicks factor, okay. So they're they're going to go all in on Brunson. Everyone has been reported. This is not new news, obviously. So now the question becomes, and it's not even the numbers for me, right? Like I don't. Spoiler alert: I don't think this is a good idea, right? Like if I were the Knicks, I would move Randall and Fournier in a deal to get Westbrook, and if I can get a Laker pick. Great. If I can't, fine. That's fine. And then I would tank for the 2023 draft. It's supposed to be, you know, if San Antonio is doing something, I follow that route, right? San Antonio, clearly, they're putting DeJounte Murray on the market. They're looking at Wombea. They want a Drew Holiday-like package. They're looking to tank. They're looking to get that stud, stud guy. If I'm the Knicks, I follow suit. There's four teams that have a 25% chance to get a number one pick, okay? If you could be one of those four teams, you have a 25% chance probably getting a franchise player. If the draft contains two or three of those, your odds obviously skyrocket, sky excuse me, to get a stud, if this is similar to 2003 or something. So the Knicks have a good youth going, obviously with OB and Quick and all those guys, right? The right move would have been you just make a move for Westbrook. You don't have to keep him. Just wave him. Who cares, okay? You don't need to take on extra contract. If you still care about having cap and, and maybe you're looking at free agency next year or whatever, fine. That's fine, okay? Honestly, like, you don't have to play 3D chess. Just do the opposite. Just get Westbrook and tank. And I'm not even saying tank. Let me, let me rephrase that. If youth win, 
without Randall and Brunson. That's a good thing. That means you're starting to build a core, okay? So it's a win-win, right? If you trade uh, Fournier and Randall in this hypothetical for Westbrook, okay, and, you know, Barrett explodes and Toppin is really good and quick and whoever, Grimes, right? That whole thought of youth. That's good. That means, like, wow, we got a core now. We could do something. That's how Boston did it. And in worst case, if they're not as good as you think and, and, you know, you start losing, okay, that's also okay. That means you're now in position, in probably better position, to get that stud in the draft. So it's a win-win. This isn't going to happen. Let's deal with the reality. So now, if the Knicks, in this realistic scenario, are going to get, um, you know, just... A couple of, you know, players like Jalen Brunson and, and, and fit him in there. What Tibbs needs to be better at now, which he wasn't, is working the rotation. This is one of my other difficulties with Tibbs that other coaches just do not do. And, like, people, people make too big of a deal of who's starting. Players make a big deal of it, sometimes media, and sometimes teams. You don't have to start your five best players. You want to make sure that at all times you have a strong unit on the court. You have a really good unit, okay? It never made sense to me. Even in the day, I understand there's like a, a respect factor. Even in the days of the Heat Big Three, they would have been better off. They could still get starters minutes, right? When they had Bosh, Wade, and LeBron, it would have been far more sense if, if Wade came off the bench. How could Wade come off the bench? That's crazy or insane. Because then you're going to have a unit you're always gonna have your goal is to always have two out of three of those guys at the same time, and it's easier in terms of the flow of the game not to take one out too early. They're, you know, if as a player you want to get like consistent flow in the game, you don't want to keep coming in and out. So by doing that, you know, Wade comes in, maybe Bosch or LeBron take a break, and then they kind of just rotate the three of them, and you always have two out of three. That's what they should have done. And you know, Steve Kerr does this very well in Golden State, right? He has Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole is one of the Two best players, I would argue, you know, over the course of the regular season, not in the playoffs. I get it. Maybe Wiggins is better. Fine. But he's definitely the, you know, you can make an argument. He's the second best offensive talent on the team. And, you know, through the stretch of the NBA season, obviously Curry came off the bench. And they talked about it. He was mature about it. And Curry's supposed to be on Mount Rushmore. He came off the bench. But Poole, more importantly, started coming off the bench in the playoffs and stuff. And that's the right move. They had that offensive push. I say that because at every unit, and remember, this is the big thing we talk about. You want to have two out of three of the following themes. You want to have creation, spacing, defensive flexibility. Okay? So if you're lacking in one of those areas in a unit, that's a problem. One of the big issues in, um, in New York last year was the Kemba Walker-Fournier, Kemba Walker-Fournier backcourt. Right, that was a big minus defensively, and people are like it's because Kemba was so bad. But the thing is, like forty-eight, look, forty's not the worst defender in the league. I get it, but in a given unit, you would like for him to probably be your worst defender. If someone's a worse defender than forty unit, that's a problem. So my question, I don't know the answer to this, is if you're going to get Brunson, don't do the same mistake. Brunson's a small guy with a with a not the biggest, um, not the biggest. You know, uh, uh, wingspan, right? It's like six four, and he's six one, but he's thick. So look, Fred Van Fleet is a solid defender. He's small. Can Brunson 
be similar in that way. I don't know. He's short, right? But here's the thing. In Dallas, I never heard that it was such an issue, right? When you had Luca, Luca's not a great defender, but you had lineups of Luca and Brunson, and they weren't, I don't think they were so horrific defensively. Char is obviously, you know, agreeing with this. Um, they weren't so weak defensively. They just weren't. So if the Knicks get Brunson, this is just kind of like a uh, a saving grace for them. But if but if the Knicks get Brunson and they play Brunson and Fournier together, that's concerning. So if it could work, it, my point is it depends on the, it depends on the rotation. And then it depends on the back-end defense. So if Robinson's healthy, now Robinson gained a decent amount of weight over COVID, over the bubble, and that hurt him, and I think he got hurt more, right? Toppin showed really good defense down the stretch. So if one of Robinson or Toppin are strong defensively, there's a potential that this could work, okay? But if the Knicks are smart, they probably bring Fournier off the bench, all right? You're going to have Brunson. You don't need his offense initially. You have other spaces there. And you have other guys you need to develop, like Quentin Grimes, you have Cam Reddish, okay? So if the Knicks run the right, the rotation's really going to matter. If you have Brunson, I'm going to just make this up, but if you have something like, you know, um, so if you have Brunson, Barrett, and then that third, and you'd probably start Randall and Mitchell Robinson, let's just be honest, whether you agree or not, okay? Look, I like Obi Toppin, huge fan. He needs to be the first big off the bench. So that's like, that other wing to me needs to be, Probably reddish if he could really improve that shooting, or 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 Grimes who showed to be a pretty decent three and D guy. That other wing, right? Um, I don't like Tibbs hasn't shown to give reddish a shot, so why would he? He probably has to show a lot in in preseason or whatever. So I'm not going to assume that. But if it's Fournier, that could be pretty bad. Now on the flip, the opposite's really good, right? If you have Fournier coming off the bench, now it's quickly Rose Fournier. I don't know some combination. Uh, with and one of these guys could be moved in with a TPE, then, then that's not so good. The other thing to note is, you know, I think one of the biggest blessings in all this could be if the Knicks need to move Fournier to even sign Brunson. That that's a addition of your subtraction a little bit. I like I don't mind Fournier. I think he and Buddy Hield are similar. A lot of people crap on them. It's hard to get a wing who could create and shoot. Okay. It just matters where you play them, right? Now, I think they're meant to be sixth men. I don't think they're meant to, to be starters. Uh, depends on the team, obviously. But a team like the Pistons, as an example, if they're smart with their own thing, they could probably get even another pick from New York, which they have. They have those four picks. Absorb 40. And now if you're the Knicks, but just by removing 40 from the equation, it's even better. So I think if, if that happens, and that opens up a shooter... To play along, then that's really good. And, that, and that's the route that needs to happen, right? So they'll be successful depending on the rotation. Now, like, look, let's say a great case scenario. Let's try the best case for Knicks fans. Let's try to be hopeful and optimistic here. So let's say you move Fournier. That, that's actually a decent likelihood, okay? And then you're all with, you know, Brunson, Grimes, Barrett, Randall, Robinson. I would start Cam Reddish. Tibbs has showed no signs that he likes Cam Reddish. So let's just be honest. Off the bench, Toppin, Reddish, Burks, Quickly, Rose. It's not bad, right? So now your hope is you need a youth to stand out, right? Barrett's got to be good. And then you're probably going to be, I think, best case, 
the following teams are definitely better than you, okay? Boston, Milwaukee, okay? Brooklyn, probably, three, right? Um, Miami, four. And then there's a bunch of teams that are probably Philly. Maybe one of Philly, Chicago, Atlanta is probably going to be better than you. So at best case, you're, you're six. At best case, you're probably going to have a repeat of what the Bulls did last year. Let's say that's your, that's your probably good, high, likely case, okay? And if you're around the sixth seed and that happens at the deadline, like, now you have picks. Now you have maybe some assets did well. And the Knicks are the kind of team that will make another big move in hopes of becoming a conference finals team. But that's, your, that's your probably best case is literally mimicking what the Bulls just did. People are going to get excited, just like with the Bulls, and then you'll have to be flamed out in the playoffs. You want to avoid purgatory, right? And if teams are looking to rebuild and stuff with, with the draft coming up, maybe there's a trade there. That's your best hope with Brunson. Let's see what happens.